and welcome to Plain Rainbows. I'm Mary Byler and I'm here with my co-host, James, James Ford. And we have a wonderful guest today. This is Chris. Everybody meet Chris. Chris is a non-binary person who was born plain. And they have an interesting story to tell about learning not to hate yourself. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, growing up playing, your gender roles are very strictly enforced. You have a clear line, you know, this is men's work, this is women's work, and there's no concept even, it may have changed recently, but, you know, when I was growing up, there was even no concept of that there was the possibility of anything other than that. So you have these strict roles that you're expected to play. You know, if you're a woman, you're expected, you do the dishes, you take care of the children and you do all that stuff. If you're a man, you, you work outside, you do all the heavy labor and everything like that. And Growing up, I didn't fit in that. You know, I, I wanted to do... I didn't think it was fair that I could do the stuff that the boys could do. You wanted to go ride horses, huh? I wanted to do everything. Everything the boys could do was more fun. I, I don't care what it was. I don't care. It, it, you know, it was better. And, you know, there. well, there, there's... Growing up assigned female, you know, you're the lowest rung on the ladder. True. Are you talking about the, the, the difference between how you get treated as an assigned female at birth versus like a, a male? Like yes. when you're assigned male at birth, like you yes. automatically have a privilege that comes with it in a plain community. Oh, yeah. Or at Definitely. least in all the playing communities and the ex-playing community people I've spoken to, there was definitely an element of, like, being assigned male at birth gave you, like, an extra privilege. Well, even a privilege over the mothers. Mm-hmm. You know. Whereas the mothers should have, you know, more authority over the children. But if you're a boy child, you know, you have more, more privilege. Right. And... And, you know, sometimes um, these boy children will go in and they will, like, tell the mother, like, well, I need this person to do this. And the mother will be like, okay, Roger, yep. done. Yep. Because why? Why do you think that is, James? Mm. Well, there's definitely the aspect of the the hierarchy in place, right? And and there really is a, hier a hierarchy uh, within the Amish, at least in my experience, you know, there's a certain power structure and that that, that dynamic plays out all day, every day. Mm -hmm. It comes to gender, it comes to, you know, sexuality, everything has its roles. And any deviation from that role, well, right, okay, growing right. up a lot, if I want to do something and give a little bit of an attitude about the fact that I wasn't allowed to do something that I thought would be good to do because it wasn't the proper role for me. And if I gave any attitude, 
this is something a lot of you know English people wouldn't understand because you only know the phrase for this in LGBTQ. But my grandmother would tell me to stop acting queer. You know, right now that right. you know, uh, but it's not. It's not how you think of when you when you're thinking LGBTQ. You know, that's not the way queer is used in that. You're being contrary. You're being, you know. You're being disobedient. Yeah. On your horse, which means yeah. um, disobedient again. Well, and no. also, so, I, I was also said about, you know, always stop being such an ox cup, which mm-hmm. literal translation is ox head. But, you know, <laughs> it's when you're being um, hard headed. Or. Duba. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. Stubborn. Yep. Yeah, stubborn. Dad, Dad always told me you got to be different than everybody. You know, when, like when I was growing up, I, I had this irrational fear. I had this very deep-seated fear that my mother was going to leave me. And she passed away of breast cancer when I was nine. But way, way before that, I, I had this deep fear that she was going to leave me to the point where when it came to church on Sundays, uh, I would sit with my mother. I wouldn't go sit with the with the other boys. I sat with oh, my mother. Oh, you were on your horse. Look and at so, you. And then, and then after she passed away, I sat with my dad. I didn't sit with the other boys because I didn't really know them that well. They were kind of strangers to me, even though, you know, I saw them every other Sunday or something or maybe the odd social event, like a wedding or a funeral. But, you know, I didn't really... We didn't really have a lot of back and forth with other Amish um, in the community. I, I, I think we did earlier when my mother was still alive, but a- after she had passed, um, you know, um, the dynamics sort of shifted. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I can definitely relate to that because I, I can remember some of the, the, the other boys, you know, like being really confused why I sat with my mother or why I sat with my dad. And I, I never really gave an explanation because I didn't really have one to give. It was just, you know, I'm sitting with my parents at church. That's it, you know. And for and that, you know, no one ever really, um, a, a bishop or a, a church official never really gave me, you know, a hard time about it. They just sort of accepted it. You You were like me. You were a little different, you know, and... Being different is not easy. It's also not a good thing. That that is true because I have a physical disability with my arm and my hand. So therefore, it was easier for me. Like, I went out and bailed hay with my dad, but I also did dishes and did the housework. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of those things made you a target, James, because you were different. Yeah, and different is not good. I remember one time I was in ninth grade. You know, I went through 10th grade to school, mm-hmm. which made my aunts mad because they only went through eighth. But I was in ninth grade, and one girl got told that people thought, you know, that she was a lot like me. And that was a major insult. You know, she took that really hard because I was the outcast. I was different. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and being different is never, never good inside the playing community. You're supposed to be this cookie cutter of, if you're a girl, there's this cookie cutter of exactly what you're supposed to be. If you're a boy, there's this cookie cutter of exactly what you're going to be. And I think one of my biggest fears growing up was what I could be stuck in as an adult. You know, there's this whole, there's this whole perception that it's escaping, you know, the, the playing community is so easy, but it's not. No, it's not. I will vouch for that. I'm sure James will vouch for that. It's a different culture. It's a whole different culture. Oh, we just lost him. We lost James. Uh-oh. Maybe he'll come back. Um, but no, like you had this um, different culture and all of that. So I, I guess my, my next question would be, so how did that affect how you viewed yourself as an adult when there were strictly defined roles and you didn't fit into those roles? Well... I know for a while I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know. And and it's easy to still think that. You know, if something goes different, well, there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not everybody else. There must be something wrong with me. You know, and you have to come to the realization that, no, being different is okay. There is not just one way to do things. Mm-hmm. Were you ever called names? <laughs> yes. Um, abomination. You know, there's the, um, oh, let's see. There was the whole using being like me as an insult, you know, that, that, and um, the closest I had ever heard was like, you know, I was supposed to stop acting, acting like a boy. You're you supposed know? to stop acting like a boy? Yeah. Well, on that note, acting like a boy. So like, you know, my egg donor told me multiple times that it would be, life would be easier if I had just been boy, born a boy. You know? Well, and that's so true in that community, though. It is. And while factual, it was also really hurtful because, yes, I wanted to go do the things, but that was really hurtful. Yeah. But, you know, being being born assigned female at birth, you know, you're under the church, you're under your parents, and then you have to hope that you you get married correctly that whoever you're under for the rest of your life then isn't going to make your life hell. Yep. So how do you find peace with like all of the, all of those things? Like what journey did you take that kind of gave you peace with? Like, you know how I, I call myself disobedient and yes. I've heard you do this with the word abomination. Yes. Like, I call how, myself how an abomination a lot. Um, it was a long process. I mean, because when I first left, there was a lot of 
anger, self-hatred, and, you know, self-harm. But so there, there's, you know. Yeah. That was that way before I left, too. You know, there's things you do to cope. But so it was a long process in learning that they're full of shit. They're full of shit. They're full of shit. You know what I mean? The fact that they allow all these horrible things to happen, you know, which both you and I could spend hours and hours talking about. Mm-hmm. But Fast. yet they want to then judge somebody else for being different. They want to use, you know, scriptures in Leviticus and shit like that to label us abominations and, and you know, all and, sorts of stuff. And judge us. And, right. Um, well, so I have, a, I have a thought, and I would like the people to hear this, to think about this as a number one if you go back and you research the original translation of that verse, um, it was supposed to be pedophiles, not homosexuals. But yet they let and pedophiles run rampant in the church. The irony, the irony, right? It, there's so much irony in that. And then secondly, like I would also ask them, like, do you feel like, because if God created each and every one of us in his own image and light, are you saying, when you call me an abomination, are you saying that God made a mistake? That's what I would like to know. Well, and then there's still, I'm an abomination, but yet I still get tracks and shit from them now that they found out where I live on my doorstep. You know... Yeah, leaving so easy, but they never let you go. They keep pounding you, but yet you're an abomination. They... Yep. And you know where's pounding... the supposed Christian attitude in that? My question is: is like, are they hounding you to be like with them as the abomination that they consider you to be, and that they label you as, or are they hounding you to be with them in a way that they want you to be? I believe it's, think of the pats on the back any of them would get if they could get you to come back and be the perfect person that they wanted all along. You know, but then also, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. Oh, my word. All, all the accolades they would get. Yeah, like that would be like a big, big, huge accomplishment for them. If they oh, could. yeah. You know, and have you renounce your, your abomination status. Right. But also, it's... A lot of times what they're doing is more for the gossip. They want to know what's going on everywhere. You know, let's be honest, like the prayer times and stuff like that. It's just a gossip circle. It really is. So... so. When you're talking about the internal homophobia, the continued harassment from them, and all of that, like, 
how how do you find peace with that? How do you embrace yourself when you feel like you're so bad? Like what steps did you take to get here? Um first there was a lot of deprogramming. You know, as you say, because there was the you you'd have a thought and you'd be like, "Oh, but you know, the church says this. The church says that. Well, guess what? If I go and get this job outside here and I work, you know, doing what would be considered man's work, but I'm supporting my and, and supporting my family, I'm doing something good. That's you know, right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know, they might not like it. Oh, I got pants on? Well, guess what? Wearing a skirt would be a, a occupational hazard that could get me hurt or killed. Uh, I think that's more important than, you know, whether I got pants on. Those are facts. But I also will admit I got pretty angry. And I still do a lot of times. When, when you go out and about and you look at the hypocrisy, the women, you can see them from a mile away. You got the head covering, you got the cape dresses, you know. But then the men, they can blend in with Joe Snow on the street when you're talking about, you know, the Eastern and the the horning and stuff like that, because what are the men wearing? They're wearing, you know, dress pants, slacks, and, you know, dress shirts. So, you yeah. know, everything, I, I started researching all the double standards and all the stuff that they say, well, this is wrong. You're an abomination for this. But then they'll go eat shellfish. Well, you want to go to Leviticus for about gay people. But if you also look in Leviticus, there's strict dietary laws. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I should know I work in a food company. We have to go through certain steps for stuff to be kosher for the Jewish people mm -hmm. to be able to legally eat it according to their laws. Yeah. Well, you want to go to Jewish laws for the one thing, you better follow the Jewish laws of all the other things. You know. Yeah. And, That's you know, then I can go to the scripture about, you know, you're ne neither in the New Testament, you're neither man nor woman under Christ. So, um, let's see. You want to judge people for, for how they're dressing, what they look like? But according to God, you know, you're neither slave nor free, man nor woman. You know what I mean? So they can all shove that up their butts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, and at the I mean, point they want to judge me is at the point where they, you know, it says about removing the speck from your own eye before you worry about the plank in your neighbor's eye. You know, there's a lot of specks that the the plain community needs to remove before they have any right to judge anybody else. So, you know, I'll proudly 
claim my abomination status in their eyes because, you know, at least I'm not, you know, supporting pedophiles and sending them out in the mission fields to, to take advantage of people, you know, in other countries and everything like that. All the while, you know, oh, we're doing the Lord's work. You don't consider that the Lord's work when they're sending people into the mission field and sending, oh, oh. Cam? Oh, my word, Cam. Cam, I would love to see disbanded as an organization. I mean, I know there's still, there's plenty in the playing community who still support Cam, you know, after all the news broke of everything that happened. You know, they're like, well, you can't judge a whole organization because of a few corrupt men. But there's still been no open accountability there. They've tried to sweep everything under the rug. And so if, if an organization sends, let's say, three pedophiles out into the mission field and they do how much harm and nothing really changes, how, how are you not going to guarantee that they're not sending another 20? Because, you know... They've already shown that they aren't properly screening the people that they send into the mission field. So I think I'm reconnected again. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Welcome back, back, James. Thank you. What did I miss? What did I miss? Well, we're talking about the mission, the mission field. field and the harm it can do. And the I mean, yeah, the inappropriateness. I mean, it's kind of a captive audience. You are supplying needs. It, it's kind of the same thing that happens some in this area with some of the places. They're like, we'll give you food. You know, we have this food for you. You're in need. But you need to listen to what we have to say. And so you're, you're having this audience. You have people who have need. We'll come and dig wells for you. But you have to listen to our story about Jesus. You know, you have this power dynamic. And then, especially when you have pedos going out like that, and these people, you know, children getting taken advantage of because there's the power dynamic. Oh, I, you know, my 14-year-old child's been taken advantage of, you know, but what do I do? Because if I do something, there goes the food supply. That's extremely harmful and disheartening to hear. There's no way that, that you know, helping people should be tied to missions. I have no problem with Christians going and helping, you know, after tornadoes, helping people in need. But when you tie it to people having to listen to your brand of religion... Whether right, it be Christianity, right. Islam, anything. A religious you are, price tag. Yeah. There sure. should not be a religious price tag on receiving help. This is That's very true. What about, like, do other cultures have different beliefs from the plain people, like Anabaptist background beliefs regarding, like, marriage and homosexuality, 
transgender people, et cetera, that affects, like, how do they address that as missionaries? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, the charity church has sent missionaries to Africa, and they also have a big seeker culture, where you'll have families coming in to the charity church that are divorced and remarried, and the wife will get told that the, the her and the husband have to separate because it's not a valid marriage, because it's one of their, you know, one of them, it's a second marriage or something. Oh, but don't worry, the church will take care of you. But you have to separate. You so have they, to traumatize all these children. Because your marriage is not valid. You know, it, it's adultery. And so to be right in the eyes of God, you need to separate. You know, wow. and going to Africa, where um, I know there was a missionary in a place where a lot of the men would have three wives, you know, and have three families. And it became a huge controversy whether do the men only be able to have the first wife anymore and the other two have to separate because, you know, it's wrong to have more than one wife, according to their, you know. So you have to convert to our brand of Christianity, and then you have to abandon two of your wives. Yeah, see, I have a problem if- with that, too, because you're totally... You're totally ignoring the the African the culture. You're not you're not learning anything about. I mean, you're basically inflicting your own values on a different culture, um, and that's 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 totally wrong and it's harmful. Um, it's like saying I mean, we could go on and on about the damage, but you're basically yeah you're you're erasing a culture and inflicting your own and it's you're putting your own culture in its place. And well, it, it happens in like Taiwan too, you know, in the whole, you know, like ladyboy culture. The Philippines, you know, I, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. You know, the the whole third gender, you know, is viewed by Anabaptists as wrong. So, you know, the whole trying to reach out to these people, but then you have to change who you are. Because who you are is wrong. See, yeah, that's why the Amish could never move to Hawaii is because the whole practice of shunning conflicts with the Hawaiian value of aloha, which is love and kindness and togetherness. I mean, I mean, there's more to it than that. But, you know, like um, like when I when I talked to native Hawaiians about Amish culture and they learned about shunning, they were completely shocked like they. Like, the idea of separating family is just not possible. Like, you would not just do that for whatever right. reason. It's not love. You, you know, right. It's not love. Exactly. It's not love. But, you know, if you'd ask Anabaptists, you know, they'd say they love, you know, people. Right. Love the person and hate the sin or whatever. Oh, that's, that's yeah, such that's a harmful just, yeah, theology. That's bull. Um, we are at about we got about two minutes left. Do either of you have parting words for everybody? You have to remember, no matter, you know, gay, straight, bi, trans, cis, I mean, you are who you're supposed to be. You know what I mean? And that's not wrong. Absolutely. 
You know, no matter you know, if somebody's trying to tell you that you are wrong because you are not their idea of who you should be, they're the ones who are wrong. You right. have to be true to yourself. Can I just add to that? Be who you're meant to be, not who you think the world wants you to be. Exactly. Because Absolutely. if you try to be who they want you to be, you're never going to truly be happy. You yes. have to be who you're supposed to be. Yeah. And, and embrace and love yourself and show yourself the kindness you wish your family would have shown you if your family doesn't embrace you. Yes. And if your family doesn't embrace you, don't be afraid to say goodbye to the toxic environment. Yes, because you deserve better than that. Exactly. Yep. Yep, yep. All righty. Oh, go ahead, James. Yeah, I, I was just going to add on to a point. And, you know, for people that are leaving, like, the Amish or a plain background, you know, like so oftentimes you're taught that the outside world is a very sinful, evil place. And, you know, I, I would just kind of like to draw a moment of attention to this and say to those to, to our listeners as the world is not, you know, is, the, the world is 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 a very large place and there's a lot of good and love and wonderful people in the world. And for whatever you have been taught, you know, you can't go around thinking that people are you know, demon spawn or, you know, whatever, whatever right wing um, <laughs> extremist um, ideology that you've been ingrained with. You have to understand that, you know, there's billions of people on, on this planet and many of them are Buddhists and Muslim and, and, you know, of different faith traditions. And if you can go out into the world with love and curiosity and an open mind, you will open so many doors for yourself. Um, and, and it's important because we come from a closed society and to go out into the world or to expose ourselves to other cultures and traditions is frightening because um, you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, but know that there, there is a, a lot, there, love is in all cultures and in all people. And you will find good people that are a world away from the Amish. Just exactly. know that. Know that. Take that yep. with you. And, and the world's going to also be whatever you help make it. So if you're going out to try and do good in the world, you know, that brings a little more good to everyone around you. Can we just all say amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Okay. Oh, man.